Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Just a little bit more music to start the day with. Very sad times. Uh, Fleetwood Mac, um, Christy McVie, has uh, sadly passed away. She wrote that song, Don't Stop. Um, Fleetwood Mac Room is probably one of my favourite albums of all time. So we'll bring you some Fleetwood Mac today just to mark um, the sad passing of one of the key members, um, Christy McVie. I never saw them live. I saw Stevie Nicks live in Christchurch once. Just wonderful perform, wonderful songwriters, and uh, so many good tunes. So, Fleetwood Mac theme through the day today. Also coming up today, Nick Stoll, a football writer. He's an Aussie. The Socceroos are through to the round of 16. What a fantastic story it is for them. And they don't have the huge names that we've seen in the past that, you know, Aussies all through the Premier League. I'm just trying to remember the name. Craig Johnson, um, Harry Kuehl. Those sorts of players that have played for Australia before, they're pretty much A-League players. What a big fillip it is for the A-League. Um, fantastic. So well done to them. So Nick Stoll will be joining us uh, after 1 o'clock. After 2 o'clock, probably for the last time this year, Sky Sport Rugby commentator Tony Johnson will be joining us. We'll wrap up the rugby season. Time to reflect and look back. And also the Rugby Awards... Are they tonight? I thought they were next week. They're tonight, are they, Sam? I think they're next with Thursday. I think they're next Thursday, December the 6th, is it? He's hurriedly looking. Anyway, the Rugby Awards are coming up. We've got all the nominees, um, and it'll be yeah next Thursday night, so we're a week out. 
So we'll review those with TJ. We're going to have a chat with um, Taylor Thornton. He's a greyhound trainer um, who did his tutelage under Karen Walsh and the Coles, I think, which are two of the best trainers in the country. And he's gone over to have a crack at it on his own young man. And he's over, I think, in Victoria. I'm not 100% sure. But he's over in Aussie, and he's picked up his first winner as well, which is fantastic. Um, as always, we'll have a quick odds update from Brendan Popperwell. Uh, they can't lie. Ka-ching, ka-ching, France lost. Goodbye, all the Maltese. That's what the Football World Cup does. We'll find out what's making news as well. Um, we're going to play Show Me The Money today. We're a man down. It's just me and Sammy. No Captain K today, so we'll figure out... Oh, look, B-Man, B-Pops, Bops. He loves coming in and giving a tip in that stupid eSports stuff, but he reckons he's got a 100% record. He reckons he's got a 100% record, so we might involve him in our four-leg show me the money. We've got the vault today, uh, 245-ish, $200, Sam. Well, we've had two lots of questions, eh? So it's 100, didn't get it, 150, didn't get it. 200 today, um, you can ring up uh, 245 and have a crack at opening the vault with the sporting moment, the iconic sporting moment. Um, we've had two guys have a go. Seven questions, five questions. You can pick two of the first day, one of the yesterday. But I would advise you, if you want to play the vault today for a $200 TRB bonus bet, go back onto the podcast uh, section of the SENZ app and just scroll through and find the vault from um, – Monday and Tuesday, you'll hear all the questions there and you'll have a head start. So maybe do that. Um, and we'll have a look back in the day as well. And do remember, Phoenix Nation, we're out of here at three because Phoenix Nation, great crew at Oppo, bring us the Phoenix football show. Uh, There's three to four. Ricardo tells me he's got Chris Greenacre on today, who's one of the nicest men in football I've ever met. Um, so he will be on the show between three and four. But you're on Afternoons with Staffy and sitting beside us, around us, in front of us, all over us, is Gull. Gull.nz is the destination to go to find out where your outlet is and you can sign up for notifications when things are cheap, cheap, cheap. So we're already economical. So Gull, fuel your mission all year round. Midday Madness, new yellow card rule reportedly being looked at by the English Rugby Union where a team can pick a player to sit out for 10 minutes. So it's an enforced power play. So I'm thinking, let's go international. How would you use it? How do you think teams would use it against us, actually? Because we know our team as well as anyone. If you were the coach of England, or the captain of England, or the captain of Ireland, France, Australia, South Africa, who would you target in the New Zealand team? Say, okay, politely, please go and sit down for 10 minutes. We want to play you with 14. Who's the one? And who's the one from the main rugby teams around the world that you would target? What time in the game? What area of the field? Is it when you're behind? Is it when you're in front? So many tactical things to talk about. Whether you like the idea or not, if it came in, how would you implement it? 0800 150 811. It's Midday Madness. Let's go. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Righto, let's go straight away. This will be interesting. He's a good sports mind, is Mikey in Christchurch. G'day, Mikey. 
Oh, Daffy, sun shining, bacon egg pie, sparkling <sighs> duet. <laughs> and, and, and English rugby put a band-aid on a gaping wound that is rugby at the moment. But, uh, yeah, it's a bit of, bit of fun. Um, I think you take it you take it as it comes, right? So you've got to have some key players in, in the international game. So like a talisman like the South African captain, for example, you could target him. Um, if it was me, I'd be waiting uh, just before they take their props off and then target a prop. Yeah, I, so don't know if the, I don't know if they'd minutes. let you do a prop because you need props for scrums. You know, you always, if a prop goes off, it's a straight, you can't have a flanker go into the front row. You have golden oldies. But maybe they'll say, okay, if you yeah. send a prop off, we have golden oldies. Well, you wait till the, the the replacement prop comes on, yeah, and then you bring the knackered prop back on. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, what do they say? It's fifty-four minutes or something injury, or yes. there's some, there's some I reckon. Problem. I reckon there will be a sub clause: front rowers excluded. I reckon there will be that clause. Well, let's just say there isn't. Yeah, right? let, yeah. I like your think. <laughs> yeah, I like your let's thinking. Let's just say there isn't, and you go right, right. Well, let's target that. The other side of it is you could target their. Um, every every team's got the one who tackles the most. You know, the defensive bulwark of that team, probably a midfielder, um, and then you could probably target him. So yeah, that's probably where I'd go with it. Um, whereas if you, if you, for example, if you were the opposition and it was the heyday of our our time, you'd probably go, well, let's get McCaw off or let's get Dan Carter off. Mm. And that's, that's probably a given, you know. Yeah, because like, while Richie McCaw was a fantastic player, absolutely he was, It was his presence was, his, it was the 16th man. Absolutely. So you see, you, you, you get rid of Richie McCoy, you're almost getting rid of two players, the leadership and the player. Well, you, get, you, you get rid of the second rest, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. And I say that with love. I, yeah, I know you love. do. I know you do from the 03. I know you do. <laughs> oh, good start, Mikey. Awesome, mate. Cheers, bud. All right, thank you. See ya. Um, yeah, look, the, oh, it's, it seems silly saying this because the ones I'm talking to can't hear it. Because Mark's just texted in saying it's Thursday. Here come the Rural Roundup is on again. Uh, Rural Roundup is from the big agricultural show just out of Hamilton. Uh, yesterday, today and tomorrow, I think, they're, in, um, they're situated there. So it's, it's a big old week for the rural sector. So if you're listening to us, I think we go out on the radio, Auckland Wellington, and the rest of the country on radio has the Rural Roundup. But if you're on the app, you can pick and choose wherever you want. So if you're outside of Auckland and Wellington and you're still listening to me now, thanks for listening on the app. Thanks, mate. Right, 10 minutes off. Who do you sit down? Who do you sit down? When do you sit them down? Keen to get your thoughts. 0800-150-811. We'll take a break. Have a think about it over this break, actually. Have a think about who do you target in the South African team? Who do you target in the Australian team? The French team. We've seen a lot of these guys in this Northern Hemisphere uh, autumn series. They call it the Irish team. Gosh, that'd be hard. Who do you take off? Johnny Sexton, maybe. I don't know. 0800 The ones you'd sit down for 10 minutes, if you could, if you were the captain. And how long and what stage of the game? 0800 Midday Madness will continue after the break. .nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Um, going to keep you up to date with the Australian Golf Open today. Lots of Kiwis getting involved. Only half the field's teed off at the moment, but I will bring you updates thanks to Spark Sports. See sport differently. 
See golf differently. I can tell you the early days. I'll oh, just quickly, early days. Early days. A New Zealanders in the lead. Denzel Yeramia, four under. And there's two New Zealanders tied for second. Nick Voke, Luke Toomey, two under. This is great news. Uh, has played seven holes. Nick Voke's played nine. Luke Toomey's played five. And Ben Campbell's tied 10th on one under. Very early days. Half the field hasn't teed off. But it's a good, good, good early sign. You can catch all of that on Spark Sport, the Australian Open uh, 2022 version. Let's go back to the phones and we catch up with Zade. G'day, Zade. Do we know if I'm Ed's at any pubs this afternoon? Well, look, he's next on. He's he's he, he, Let's bring Ed on at the same time as you, Zade. Ed, meet Zade. Zade, meet Ed. Hey, my friend. Good afternoon, hey, Ed. Yeah, been my How's it going at the pub yet, boy? Oh, at the pub this yeah, afternoon? Right <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know if you're at the pub, Ed. Are you at the pub yet? No, no, not today. I was there yesterday. Today I was a good boy. I drank all my piss yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wait there, Ed. We'll have a quick chat to Zade. Uh, Zade, <laughs> you cheeky bugger, Zade. Um, <laughs> who, who are you putting in the sin bin, even though they've done nothing wrong? What do you mean? What do you mean playing in the sin bin? Sorry. So, like the England rugby going to trial that you can pick a player from the opposition team to sit down for 10 minutes, to give you a one-player advantage for 10 minutes. So who, who would you pick out of the Irish team or the French team or the South Africans to sit down when we're playing them? You know what I'd like? What about chuck the coach in the bin? <laughs> chuck, chuck old, um, what's his name, David Re- Dave Reedy in the bin? In the bin? <laughs> now, you know who I really want in the bin? Go on. Uh, Michael Hooper. Michael Hooper? Not yeah, a fan or just a really good player? Pardon? He's a really good player, isn't he? Yeah, good player. Yeah. What else is going or, um, on? You know who I'd tuck in the bin? Go on. But he's not a player that French ref that ref the last All Blacks game. Oh, now that's a great shout. Imagine if both captains went up and said, look, uh, we want 10 minutes from me, 10 minutes from her. You're off for 20 minutes, ref. We'll look after the game. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? Um, Aaron Smith takes over the referee. <laughs> Heaven, heaven, TJ. Oh, that'd be amazing. TJ runs out in a white uniform and a whistle. Let's go. <laughs> they wouldn't shut up for for, for eighty minutes, would they? No. <laughs> it'd be. I, I, I'm a bit gutted though because I had um money on Messi to score the first goal for Argentina this morning. That he bloody missed that penalty. Oh, is he overrated? No, I'm not going to say that. My my tongue will burn. But yeah, they got the win though, mate. And they're my sweepstake team. So we're through yeah, to the 16. Yeah, but they're going to find Aussie next round. Easy, easy dub. I'm already calling it easy. Easy they got, dub. They got, they got the win this morning, but uh, that's the end of the comp. Sorry, Aussie. Okay, okay. If they beat Argentina, well, they deserve to. If they, if they play well and beat Argentina, well, they deserve it. But I can't see it. And um, for our French, well, I guess I guess rested too many players this morning. We're just taking it chilled. I guess they could because they've already qualified for the group. But mm. I don't think that's an I don't really think that's too much of an upset. Um. I think they're still with a big chance of winning the World Cup uh, with Kylian and Mbappe there. I think yeah. they've got a big chance of winning. Um, yeah. So I'll be interested to see how they do. And also Brazil, if Neymar comes back for the final round, I think they're within a chance as well. It'd be. Um, I don't think Argentina and Brazil can meet in the final now that Argentina top the group. So I think the latest they can meet is the semis now. Mm, nice. So yeah, but um, yeah, I, I, I love watching the World Cup and. Um, 
if you get some free time, there's something you guys should watch is um, Hot Ones with Israel Adesanya. So it's a series where they ask questions and you've got to eat hot wings. Oh, really? Yeah, and the wings get hotter and hotter. Oh, I like that game because I love hot wings, eh? Hotter the better. Yeah. Mm. So he in, they, they interview heaps of different celebrities every, every week. Okay. It's like a podcast. Yeah, it's quite good. Nice. All right, buddy. Good nah, chatting, we'll, we'll Zade. Thank you. Thanks for calling, mate, Sweet. as always. And now we'll go to Ed Solo. Ed, Zade wanted to say good day. I'm pleased he did. How are you doing? Hey, oh, nice one, Zade. I'll meet you again on another quiz, bro. <laughs> yes, indeed. What do you think about this idea that England's floating, Ed? Ten minutes off. Uh, well, I didn't, I, I didn't look up that. I looked up yellow card and the meaning. And um, so you give some follow yellow card at ten minutes. So when he comes back on and someone else gets the yellow card, we'll just target that fellow. That means he's had two yellow cards and so he's <laughs> off for 20. <laughs> well, it'll be a yellow, I think they're saying it'll be they have the same effect as a yellow card, but they're not the same discipline as a yellow card. But you're right. If they sent him off and then he came back on and he got a yellow, that's not two yellows equals a red. They'd have a different coloured card, probably a white, white what, card. I'll tell you who I target, though. Mm-hmm. There's a young fellow playing for France, came from Wesley College. He's one of the props. Who's that? Oh, he plays for France, bro. He's like 10 feet tall. Oh, yes, yes. I, I read a story about him. He was. Wesley College. You're right. Yeah, man, because old Brett coached him. Did he? Oh, yeah, man. Brett's the man. Is yeah. it, would, um, would, your, would your cousin Brett, would he be the smartest bloke in your wider family? No, he is sharp, man, and uh, all his triathlon stuff, boy, that keeps him sharp ass. Oh, no. And uh, he's always just, you know, um, every time I go in there, fuck up. Oh, what's <laughs> that? <laughs> You're fading in and out, Ed. You're fading in and out. Thank you. Thank you for that, Stephen. You saved that one. Yeah, saved that one, mate. Good on you, bud. Thank you, Steph. See you later. See you, boy. Bye-bye. Someone just said, would you yellow card Charlie Waite? Is that our Charlie? He's yellow carded every day. Must be a friend of Charlie's or an enemy. Jeff. Jeff the ref? It's not Jeff the ref. No, it's just Jeff. Mm. It's not Jeff the ref. Might be his old man. Charlie Waite. No, his old man listens. Big fan. No, I think it's almost Dave. Oh, Was it? Maybe that's his old man. Yeah, he's yellow carded. He's he's pretty much in the sim bin all day. Yeah, well he, he yeah he um he owns the che- the Simbin chairs on mm. the sideline. Charlie Wait, um, we talked about we talked yesterday about um targeting uh, someone in the midfield maybe, given that the midfield is such an important position and most countries only have one settled midfield combination, so you disrupt that. Mm. You know, like imagine if we we've been talking so much about who our midfield combination is. Who do you think it is in your eyes? The number one one at the yes. moment is Jordi and Rico. Right. Do you think that's one that could win us a World Cup? <sighs> well, if you think it's the best, you're saying that it's the best chance we've got, right? Yeah. So then you go on yellow card Jordi or Rico, and who do you put into the midfield to fill that gap for 10 minutes? Hardy. <laughs> Artie can it's play not bad, actually. Yeah, Artie can play. But you know, you know, my, the idea there being that you're going to put someone in there who's not a specialist midfielder, and yeah. I think given that's where I feel like the All Blacks were most exposed, um, especially in that Irish series uh, out wide. Mm. Um, I See, think I'm imagining next year. Yeah, and Will Jordan's at fullback, please, if, mm-hmm. it, if he is, and Richie's 
um, at 10 and Bowden Barrett's on the bench and they say, sit down, Richie Moonga. Who plays 10 then? Probably Geordie. But right. it's a big drop down in skill set. And I, I guess, say this rule came in, you'd be looking, the first couple of years are going to be very interesting, but then you'd there'd be a, a learning curve where the teams now tactically would say, okay, when we're on a yellow card, when we've got the power play and it's our number 10, we go into a, a kicking structure and Geordie's at 10 and he just kicks it. Like, you know what I mean? Like you'd, you'd sort of adapt to that. I actually think they, they might even, <clears throat> excuse me, because in 10 minutes you can win a game or lose a game. You can get two tries in 10 minutes and that can win you the game. Can. It could affect selection. Because you need to be able to cover every spot and to say, we need two people. We need our first five and someone capable of playing first five on the park starting. Because if we don't, if we have Anton Leonard-Brown, Jack Goodhue, uh, Rico, Sevu Reese, Will Jordan, and your first five, mm. and they say sit down first five, you got nothing. I'm not – like the idea shocked me at – first, but I'm actually not totally against it from a spectator point of view. I'm not either. I just think it'd be quite fun. Mm. Whole new element, dimension to the game. We know that the game opens up when there's a player off. I mean, we see that with all these red cards and yellow cards, so I don't know. Am I for it? Maybe I'm for it. I'm f- I'm, I'm. actually all for giving it a go. Why not? Give it a go. Yeah. In English club rugby, and we'll, we'll have a watching brief. Um, someone actually texted in yesterday, and I saved it for today. It says, sub the player off 10 minutes before half-time, and then he has 10 minutes at half-time, so he sat down for 20 minutes. Not bad. Cools down, gets out of the flow. Um, someone else said, just tuned in, don't understand the conversation. Quick recap, please, on rugby placement. Yes, yeah, so Craig, uh, I probably have explained it, but England Rugby have proposed an idea, it's not in stone yet, an idea that you can play, let's call it the white card, and the team captain can pull the white card and said, I want that guy in the opposition to go and sit down for 10 minutes. It's a power play. Um, and interestingly, the op- opposing captain might step up then as well and say, well, we'll take ours now and we'll take whoever, you know, if they send off the flanker. Well, we'll take one of yours then. Yeah, we'll take your flanker as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about, um, I know you said the, the front rowers, there'd be a bit of a caveat around that. but um, I think they'd leave them out. But thinking about Mike, what Mike Cron said, wouldn't you, to that person saying the halftime, wouldn't you target Mike Cron's strategy where they want to bring the props on five Six. minutes after half time because they want to get them a bit of a warm-up? Let them warm up. Let them come on for like two minutes, then give them 10 Sit minutes them again. And they have to go through the whole process. Yeah, see, here's one that explains it. Blackie's a good rugby man, Blackie. If a hooker goes off injured, then the opposition captain plays that any player card to send the replacement hooker off. You'd go to uncontested scrums. And because they caused it, they'd have to drop a player as well. So that's it gets really cryptic because that's about player safety and all that sort of stuff. Um, and they won't want to go to uncontested scrums voluntarily. Um, even though I think some players pretend they're injured and go off to get the uncontested scrum. So that's why I think they'll eliminate front rowers, uh, just for simplicity's sake. Uh, Really interested in your thoughts, the players you'd target, and who do you think the opposition would target in the All Blacks and at what stage of a game? 0800 150 11. Take a break for new sport and weather. Here's Johnny Mack.
Yes, tribute to Fleetwood Mac and more importantly, Christy McVie, who sadly passed away um, overnight. Wonderful band Fleetwood Mac will bring you some of their tunes through the show. Remember, we have the Ava Living Caller of the Month. And they're going to win in Oklahoma, Joe's Blackjack, Charcoal, Kettle Grill. This is the perfect time is the first hour in the afternoon show. We keep the lines open for you on 0800 150 811. And we were talking about uh, if you could bin someone, who would it be? Either from the All Blacks, if you were scheming against the All Blacks, the most influential player. Uh, text from Brian says, G'day, Staffinator. It's not often you see a halfback get binned for 10 minutes. They're an important link between forwards and backs with a skill set that would be difficult to cover well, in my opinion. I'd send the nine off. And then he followed that up with it. And I forgot to add to my earlier text that the idea of sitting a player down for 10 minutes is start raving bonkers. <laughs> Even though he had a good idea, he thinks it's start raving bonkers. You'd surely have to send off the... Um Actually, the halfback's a great one because I think you'd have to send off the replacement halfback so that they can't... Because if you sent off, say, Aaron Smith at like 30 minutes, wouldn't you just make the call as Ian Foster to just bring on the replacement half, get somebody else off and bring the replacement halfback on there? I don't know. I think the scoreboard will have a lot to do with it yeah. too. Yeah, like but if, it's interesting. If you took off the replacement halfback, then they'd have no halfback re- whatsoever. Mm. But, That's why I say it will change the way you choose teams. And yeah. it would change the type. So you wouldn't sub Aaron Smith at 45. No. He'd go to 70 or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he also says here, yeah, uh, it's stark raving bikers, and I have to think seriously about whether I'd continue to watch rugby. It seems like a way to contri- a way to contrive a winner. Stupid, stupid, stupid. From Brian. <laughs> Doesn't like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to not like it. I'm trying to like it. I'm, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't mind having a go at at something um, charity bets can we talk about that Sam can we do that it's the great greyhound racing New Zealand charity run I'm just going to start with the greyhounds today Steph because have you got a thing of habit tracking what's that oh I do actually yeah I do I do the greyhounds we're actually doing very very well that's why I want to start with them because oh, um, you're on form Correct. So at the moment in the GRNZ Great Greyhound Charity Run afternoon, sitting on a very sultry 1265, 1265 oh, smackaroos. I thought it was 126. We're, we're well in front. Mornings is on 82 bucks. Um, <laughs> breakfast on 477, drive on 267. Um, Good actually, money for charity. Conven- yeah, convenient that Driver uh, posted a little tile on their social media today of the, of the harness one where they're well out in front. <laughs> Uh, didn't want to revert to the Greyhounds, but that's okay. Uh, we're not doing too well in the harness. It that's, doesn't bode well for us, but I'll get to that one very shortly. So uh, to the dogs. Oh, hang on. I'll have to open up my tip because I, lo- I love trying to guess who you've picked. TAB. Do you know when we were down in Palmy last Friday, I was really looking forward to seeing Terrace End or finding Terrace End so that I could. So your original accommodation yeah. was in the heart of Terrace End. It's oh, brilliant. R- it was right next door to Terrace End School, which okay. was my primary well, school. I was looking, well, I saw, the, I saw the school and I thought, where's all the shops that you're talking about? Just a little bit further down oh, on okay. the right. Okay. I was, yeah, I was keen Broadway. for some late night shopping. Yeah. Thurs- to be. Thursday night, late night um, shopping. You got there Friday, so you missed it. Eddington, tomorrow. Standby. Racing, tomorrow. Greyhounds. Eddington race. Three. Race three, we're on here. Fantastic. We'll play the race. Uh, it's themayhounds.org.nz. Rehoming group stakes. We love the rehomers, and they love to 
live <laughs> in a new house <laughs> when they've retired. Not, not, not your best work, Stamp. No, uh, 520 metres. Right, let's have a look. You like an Opawa? Sure do. You do? Mm-hmm. Oh, you like Opawa Dallas? No. Oh. I like uh, Opawa Luis. Oh, box one. Box one. You know I love my red. You know I love the red, Steph. I love the red number one. Seven starts, no wins. That, you know what they say about num- the number eight? Jew. It's eight with it's uh, zero with a belt. I like it. That's a, that's a number joke for you. Um, it's sire is my bro Fabio out of uh, Opawa Sophie. It's a one-year-old uh, black bitch. Oh, that's what that, I forgot the joke is. What what did zero say to eight? I think that's the joke. Nice yeah, belt. Nice belt. Mm. Um, so eight. That was start, McIver's joke. No, he said seven, eight, nine, which is the, that is older than I said. Plato came up with that joke. <laughs> like that's how old that is. All right, so we've got a power Louise. No odds available yet. Let's hope it's worth plenty. Oh, Have they put be. up any tips yet? Have they put up any tip? They haven't. Okay, next. It's Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for Purpose Season 2. Now, we are not doing well in the harness scene, staff, but I, I feel like we're onto something here um, because I have spent a day's not the right word, hours, certainly hours, um, perusing mm. the form guides. You've gone to Addington, surely? No. What day? Friday. That's tomorrow? Mm hmm. <sighs> Why have you done this? Okay, so you've gone to Alex Park? No, Wingatui Grass. Wingatui. <laughs> Give me Wingatui. Give me Wingatui. Give me race number two. Race number two. Guess what? We're not on here. It's all right. Just after our show, actually. 424, the Woodland Stud, uh, 30 years mobile pace. Okay, Jeepers. Oh, my goodness. Um, I picked this one for a reason. You've got, is it like, is it something you'd like to attain in its name? No, okay, it's, so it's, it's two not, things that are close to my heart. You you won't understand why, but okay, so it's not forty wives. Um, oh. Two things close <laughs> to your heart. Oh, so it's two word name. Mm-hmm. Rock and roll lover. No, I do love a rock and roll though. I know. I don't know then. Um, going uh, number one. Of course, you're going number one. What Warrior Eastern? Yeah, Eastern is a is a hockey a ice hockey brand. Oh, is um, it? Yeah. So so you got Warrior, obviously Vodafone. Oh, sorry, one New Zealand, one New Zealand Warriors. I'm gonna have to get that right in the commentary next year, aren't I? Mm. One New Zealand and uh, an Eastern hockey brand. So I'm going Warrior Eastern, which is a handy draw. Staff, I think it's gonna suit uh, suit the horse well. Can lead them all the way and get another deserved a uh, deserved maiden victory, actually. Yeah, another seven starter, no wins. That's, There's think, a theme. The, I think it, I think the lucky eights. I think we're lucky eights. This, and you're uh, a big this week. fan of Blair Orange in the bike as well. Yeah, I, I really am. I really I do love some orange. What um, do you what What do you prefer as the name of the thing that, uh, of the of the appliance mm. that sits behind the horse that the driver sits in. What's your preferred name for that? Because um, I can think of four that trolley? he used. Trolley, that's the fifth one. Mm. Yeah, Trundler? No, that's golf. Yeah, well, so you, there's like, you ask me what I prefer. There's sulky. Yeah. Uh, there's cart. Yeah. Uh, there's sulky cart. Car? Oh, I've filled a four before. Now I've only, I can, no, not car, cart. <laughs> Who's yeah. in the car? Bike is another bike. one. Who's in the bike? I mean, you, so you're not going to accept car, but you accept bike. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> trailer? No. Well, yeah, it's it's actually more like a trailer than yeah, anything. I, yeah, I'll take trailer. It's something with two wheels being towed. Right on. But I think the actual 
true word is sulky. Okay. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that one. I'm going to stick with um, trolley. Okay, so you got Blair Orange in the trolley <laughs> <laughs> behind one warrior. Don't Eastern forget to put hockey. your trolley back, Blair. Okay, no one likes leaving trolleys in the car park. Take one, it back with you. One warrior, Eastern hockey. Um, just just quickly on that, and uh, I know we've got to get to uh, Taylor Thornton very shortly, but um, the Warriors 2023 jerseys released this morning, staff, um, out there to the public, and as always, generates a lot of discussion as to whether or not it's a, it's a good-looking jersey or not, and of course this year they've gone for the, it's a big one New Zealand logo on the front. It's just a big O. I'm not actually against the design itself, I just think the logo's a little bit big. Just a little bit big. I think if it was a bit smaller, I actually think it could look quite nice. I think I'd, if I had um, clip art, I'd probably go 70% of what it is at the moment. I agree. I agree. And the other weird thing is underneath it, it says one dot New Zealand as if it's a website. Oh. Which to me looks like, why wouldn't you just have one New Zealand? One dot New Zealand just looks like you're putting your website underneath. It's like putting facebook.com. Maybe it is a website. Well, no, it is. It is, but I'm like, who? What brand just puts their website as opposed to the actual brand name on a jersey? GoDaddy. Like, do they do GoDaddy.com? I don't know. It's I think just, they just do GoDaddy, yeah. right? Anyway, but I, it's okay. It's not. It's not a horrendous fail for me, but it's not. They haven't hit it a hundred. Hasn't got you fizzed, but you're not disappointed. Yeah, that's probably a good way of putting mm. it. Yeah. Do you think there'd ever be a jersey design for any club that would be released and the fans universally go love it? You know how what I think would happen if people said I love it? Yeah. If you went back to the old, the DB Bitter well, Warriors they, jersey without DB Bitter because they're not the main sponsor and made that the, the... But I think they sort of did, I think last year or the year before, they went back to the original colours. Everyone loved that because remember for a long time they were wearing the black and grey mm. and then I think it was two years ago they went back to the blue, red and and it was universally well-received staff. And I actually really like, I think it was last year's one and the year before, I really liked that. I actually thought it was a really, really nice design. It's just this year they've put the, the One New Zealand logo on it as well which just makes it look a little bit different. But, no, I think they've done an okay job. Um, and as we all say, Steph, it's not the jersey. It's what they do in it. Mm. All right. Uh, we've gone too long. We are going to head out of here on the other side. We're going to catch up with a new young greyhound trainer in Australia. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. It's our weekly catch-up now with someone in the greyhound industry, and we're going across the Tasman in Australia. Uh, there's a dog wanting to talk to us as well, but he's an Aussie. Uh, sorry, he's in Aussie, but he's a Kiwi. Taylor Thornton joins us. G'day, Taylor. Yeah, how you going, mate? All right? I'm very well. Um, you, you, you left the kennels in New Zealand and decided to have a crack over in Australia. I don't, how long have you been over there plying your trade? I've been, I've been over here about uh, six months. Uh, just living in Seymour for about yeah six months since I've made the uh, made the move across. Jeez, I tell you what, you uh, you learnt your trade under some of the best. You were with Karen Walsh and Gary Harding, and then uh, Brendan and Lisa Cole. What a great way to start off! Yeah, I was very lucky, very lucky to work with such a astute trainers, and um, definitely gave me a good start into life into the greyhound training life because I've obviously learnt off uh, very successful people. So are you over there um, under your own steam now, or are you in partnership with anyone? What's your operation? So I'm working for um, Rebecca Romain, and I've got some kennels to train my own dogs as part of the deal. So I've got four dogs on my own that I'm training over here, and um, obviously helping them out in the mornings and the afternoons, etc., etc. And someone tells me you had your first winner on Tuesday at Healesville, uh, Soda Kiwi, beautiful name. 
Yeah, she's a very beautiful name and a beautiful dog. It was uh, she hadn't had much luck to start her career, so she's been a bit of a bit unlucky. But it was good for her to actually get the job done and show what she can do because I think she's a bit better than average that dog. Having been there for six months, Taylor, what, what's the big difference between New Zealand and Australian greyhound racing um, that we might notice? Um, it's, a, it's a similar industry, but what it is is it's a bigger pool of dogs. So I guess you have, um, for lack of a better word, more opportunities to actually get your dog through the certain standard of a racing, you can go and chase that standard. Or if it doesn't, you can chase the money. Or just, it's just more opportunities, I would say. And they have those straight tracks over there. Have, have you raced at those? Yep, uh, Heels Bulls is, is a straight track, and it's um, it's a very interesting type of racing. It is, eh, because there's no corners, and that's where you quite often find uh, dogs get checked out of it. It's just like a flat-out sprint, and interestingly, most of the dogs hold their line. They don't bob and weave through the track. Yeah, exactly, and um, one of my biggest learnings was that it's a 300-metre race, and I thought, oh, yeah, 300 metres, that's not much, but it's actually more like a 400, because since they're going in a straight line, they're actually going top speed for longer, so you've got to be quite fit for the uh, for the straight tracks, and it's, yeah, it's quite surprising, really. How does fitness work? Like, we know how it works in humans, and it's go for long, slow runs. What about a greyhound? Because you don't want to lose their explosive sp- speed. So how, what, what's the key to getting them re- as fit as they can be? Well, to get them as fit as they can be, you've just sort of got to, um, you've got to put in the work early in their career sort of thing. So before they start racing, you sort of have to have the groundwork already done, whether it be running them or walking them every couple of days. And then once you're racing, it's all about maintaining them. So in between a run, we won't do much because we've already got that groundwork of fitness. So it's just about really keeping them happy, keeping them fresh, and just making sure they, they love life when they go out to the racetrack. You want to see them happy. And then once they're happy, they normally put in their better performances. And they're really hardy, aren't they? Because you could probably race them, if, if you wanted to, every sort of three days, couldn't you? Yeah, if you wanted to, you, you could. They, they definitely, um, I think you get a bang for your buck because there's so much racing in the Greyhounds. But, um, yeah, you're right. They can race every three days. But I, I tend to just race them once a week just to keep that keep that freshness into them. So what's, what's the goal, Taylor? You've got four dogs on your own. Will you just slowly build that up and get more kennels and get more dogs? Is that the plan? Yep, that's, that's the plan at this stage. Um, just keep on sticking along and got a few nice ones in the kennels now, so I'm very lucky to have uh, opportunities to train some nice dogs, which definitely gives me a, a, a good a good advantage. But yeah, just keep them happy and stick along, and hopefully within a year I can win a sort of a nice race. I mean, it might be an ambitious goal, but you've got to have ambitious goals in this kind of industry. Hell yes, you do. And what about a longer-term goal? Do you see yourself sticking with the Australian um, scene, or is there a desire to come back to New Zealand? Well, that's a good question. I think, I, I think when I when I moved over here, I thought I could do five years in Australia and then go back to New Zealand. And I still think I, I will end up back in New Zealand at some stage, maybe go back to New Zealand with a bit of money in my pocket perhaps and buy a property and um, have a set up over there because I do like New Zealand style of racing. It's quite a um, it's, you know it's quite a it's quite a good industry to be in, especially New Zealand. Yep, Taylor. I want to thank you for joining us today, and we wish you all your best in, in, in your venture. It was a big call to go to Aussie, but it sounds like you've landed on your feet. You got a winner in your pocket. You're away, boy. Yeah, exactly. Onwards and upwards, hopefully. There Fingers it is. Crossed anyway. Thanks for coming on. Have a good day. Thank you. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. 
Got a couple of <clears throat> text messages coming in this first hour. Someone, uh, John, suggesting that they should make the rolling malls. I remember, was it Ricardo said, you know how they referee yells out, once! And then the second time they have to clear it, he said drop that two down to one. And John says make the rolling malls only allowed to go five metres max. All good suggestions. Um, the Warriors could use the Usos. WWE tag team champs catchphrase you the twos we the ones <laughs> I don't know WWE sadly and uh, Mikey suggested it's actually good midday madness that we could chuck in jersey design discussion future midday madness best and worst jerseys I don't mind that idea at all don't mind there's some rippers and there's some shockers as well, well let's go to news we'll come back after one Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Yep, Fleetwood Mac, um, we're acknowledging the sad passing of Christy McVie. Um, she wrote that song as well, You Make Love and Fun. Um, one of the brains behind the band that churned out the hits over the years, Fleetwood Mac. Um, that still get played over summer barbecues, I think. Very easy to listen to. Um, just sort of mention the World Cup champs, sorry, the World Championships, Netball World Championships, uh, the draw has been done. It's going to be in Cape Town, South Africa, next year in July. I think it gets underway. It goes for about 10 days. So the draw's been done. So uh, Group A, the top seed is Australia, second seed is Tonga, and then the two qualifiers to join uh, in, in Group A is Zimbabwe and Fiji. Group B, uh, the two seeds are England and Malawi, and the qualifiers are Scotland and Barbados. Group C, the two seeds are South Africa and Jamaica. Now, I think South Africa got a top seeding because the hosts, I might be wrong, but South Africa, Jamaica, and a whole lot of turmoil going on in South African netball at the moment with the player power getting rid of their coach, and Norma Plummer has joined in. Um, wealth of experience, Norma Plummer. So South Africa, Jamaica are being joined by Wales and Sri Lanka, and Group D is New Zealand's group. Uh, the other automatic qualifier on world ranking is Uganda, who are a rising a rising team, um, I think over the next five or six years, Uganda could become a real force. Trinidad and Tobago and Singapore will also join Group D. So the top seeds are Australia, England, South Africa, New Zealand. 
And the ones expected to go through to the second round is Tonga, Malawi, Jamaica, Uganda, all getting underway in July. It's 239 days, 8 hours, 37 and a half, 37 and a half minutes away from starting because I'm on the website and it's got a countdown clock. And it is taking, uh, taking place in Cape Town in South Africa next year. Still got an ANZ Premiership to go before that. Um, but anyway, good times. Um, now, while rugby and rugby league has finished domestically, there's still a lot of sport to catch up on. And if you like to watch sport differently, you do that with Spark Sport. Uh, Sammy Hewitt uh, has jumped into the studio because, what have I got here, Sam? I've got my take-home pad. Beautiful. This is when you give me the diary of my viewing. And the, some people call me lazy for making you... Uh, work out my sports viewing of the weekend, but I'm here for. you embrace it. I do. I absolutely do, Steph. Um, now, and you always mentioned something I didn't know was coming. So here we go. I've, I've got a surprise for you. So we obviously know that um, the IESPS Honda Australian Open is going to be taking place over the next four days. That's all live on Spark Sport, and I'm just going to leave that one because you're going to be updating that throughout the day. I am. Um, so we'll keep <laughs> everyone updated. But um, get your Spark Sport um, subscription and, and catch the Australian Open action. I may have put a little bit of money on Luke Toomey. You did. Good friend from high school. Um, so what else is going on over the weekend? That's what I'm supposed to ask you. What else is going on in the weekend, Sam? Well, what I, will say, <laughs> what I will say, Mark, is um, a lot of talk around after the Women's Cricket World Cup Yep. Keeping that momentum going with the White Ferns, right? And and everyone getting in behind the team. Well, they uh, start their uh, T20 series against Bangladesh mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow night, actually, 6.30. And that's on that's on Spark. In New Zealand? In uh, I think it's in New Zealand, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, it's in Christchurch. I think the first... Okay. Oh, 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 no, that, that was Hagley. No, you know, it is in Christchurch. It is yep. in Christchurch. Yeah, yep. yeah. Nice. First T20 is in, uh, in Christchurch. And then I think Dunedin gets the second one. Fantastic. Um, University Oval. On Sunday. Yeah, I think it's at Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So um so two T twenties for the White Ferns over the weekend, which is um which is well worth a watch, I think, because you you obviously we had a disappointing World Cup. Um but yeah, we'll see if they've been able to turn it around. And Did you know there's actually three? Oh, are there three? Well yeah. there's two on this weekend. That was probably my Yeah, so it goes Hagley, then it goes University Oval, then it goes the John Oh. The John Davies Oval in Queenstown. Mm, oh. What a venue! Okay, thanks. See, there yeah. you go. There's one for me now. And I know you're a big um, you, you no, you're not a big NBA fan, but you like to just put it on in the background. That's um, it. It, yeah, you like to follow it along. Um, you put it up on the screens in here quite often. So uh, we've actually got a couple of games today. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, Philadelphia 76ers has just tipped off. Um, so if you're interested in that one, jump on quickly. And then 4pm, we've got Sacramento playing Indiana. The one I'm really looking forward to, though, is on Saturday, Staff, which is 1.30. The Boston Celtics going up against the Miami Heat. Boston. And the, the Boston. And uh, the Celts are absolutely running hot at the moment. Um, I think they, I saw a graphic the other day of comparing their points per game at the moment compared to, I think, the Nets, who held the previous record at this point of a season, and the, and the Celts are killing them. They're mm. like four, averaging four more points than them, and that, people thought that would never get topped. So uh, go Celts. Um, <laughs> something that I don't think you – you'll know it's on Spark because we have talked about it a little bit, but it won't be totally on your radar, and that is the United Rugby Championship, right? This is the one that South Africa broke away from Super Rugby to join. And the question I want to ask, Steph, is it seems weird to me, that, it, but I guess Six Nations is going to be starting as well, but it seems weird that we've just sort of finished international rugby, yet you've got all these domestic teams playing. They like keep they're going. in round nine. Yeah, they you keep know what going. I mean? So like all the, like, for example, Stormers, Bulls, etc. obviously they'd have none of their spring box, right? 
Uh, they probably will return now because Springboks. No, but they have. But they haven't had. They you haven't know what had. I mean? Whereas, yeah, yeah. like, we never have the All Blacks playing super, during Super Rugby. So it's just a totally different kettle of fish. But um, round nine of that competition, and I think if you are interested in the Six Nations, then it's a good one to keep your eye on because those English players, Wales players, Ireland players will go back to their clubs for the next few weeks before mm. leading up to Six Nations. Well, I watched uh, Dolph playing the other day, Stephen Lutua, um in his hun- <laughs> in his hundredth game for um, Bristol. Bristol Bears. Far out. He's, he's still game. kicking on. And yeah. Charles Peertow's in the back line. Yeah. Um, and something I actually was talking to Ricardo about a couple of weeks ago, uh, The Spark have the Barclays Women's Super League, so basically the women's equivalent of the Premier League, oh. with like Chelsea and Liverpool, et cetera, in the women's side. There's actually a couple, I think there's a couple of um, football ferns in there too. Um, so plenty of those games over the weekend. And then Mark uh, Stafford, your favourite on a Monday. <laughs> Give me football. Little, little harmonising there. Um, Minnesota Vikings, New York Jets, seven a.m. Monday morning. Uh, New York Giants, Washington. I'm, I'm just going to call them the Commanders. I know they're the Commanders, but in my head they're the Commanders. I don't know why. Don't ask why. I thought there were two E's. The Commanders, the Washington Commanders, and then uh, your San Francisco 49ers going up against the Miami Dolphins at ten oh five on Not Monday. Mine. <laughs> Not mine. <laughs> It's Joe Bell likes them, eh? Because oh, he was right, named Bell. after Joe Montana. You're a... Uh, is he actually named yeah. after it? Yeah, his is father was a huge San Francisco fan. Oh, that's, yeah. that's great. Um, good good um, trivia. You're a Bills fan. Bills. And um, I, I'm not sure if they're playing on Monday. But anyway, there you go. Spark Sport, still tons on. Absolutely loads on. And if you're a rugby fan and you think it's all over, I reckon you tuck into the United Rugby Championship just to... Because that is... It's pretty good quality as it's, well. It's very good rugby. They they do they're playing more high run and scoring. gun rugby yeah, up there. It's a very high scoring. Yeah. I think what South Africa have injected is a little bit of enterprise, a little bit of side to side width. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good watch, and I actually really enjoyed watching um, Bristol play there. Um, didn't get the win, lost at the last minute, but um, it was a pretty good watch. So there you go. There's your Spark Sport update, Sammy. I've got a full page. Uh, I'll get square eyes again this weekend. Thanks, your little champion. Um, <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, we're going to have a little uh, World Cup chat. We're going to have a World Cup chat. I think a World Cup chat is what we're due to do next. I think that's what we're due to do next. Just check the script, staff. Make sure you're on track. Make sure you're on track. One fifteen. Yeah, Nick Stoll. He's a football writer across um, in Australia, heavily involved in the broadcasting and the writing and the consumption. Aussie must be nothing off. They must be nothing off making the final 16 of the World Cup. I, I applaud them. They're, they're our biggest sporting rivals, I know, but um, they've got a massive task ahead of them now. Uh, they will be taking on Argentina at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. Um, 4 o'clock Sunday morning sees the Netherlands against the USA, uh, the United States men's national team. We'll be taking on the Netherlands team. Uh, that's two of the round of 16 we know. The other two we do know also is France. will take on Poland. And England will take on Senegal, which also means that tomorrow, um, I think we see the end of it. Is it all tomorrow? No, there's two. F- one, two, three, four games tomorrow. Croatia, Belgium, Japan, Spain. Sorry, Croatia, Belgium and Canada, Morocco. The other two remaining round-robin games, both at 4 o'clock tomorrow uh, for Group F. And Group E will be at 8 o'clock tomorrow, Japan, Spain, Costa Rica, Germany. And then Saturday morning, same again, Group H, South Korea, Portugal, and Ghana, Uruguay, inaugural winners of the World Cup way back when. They are at 4 o'clock. And the 8 o'clock game, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon, Brazil. That Cameroon-Brazil game will be spectacular. 
I, I like both the styles of play. And remember, all the games either on air on the radio or on the app. You choose how you consume them. We've got other shows on air on the radio. Go and have a look on the app, and we've got all of the commentaries there available for you. So, Aussie through to the final 16. Fantastic for them as a football nation. I think it's fantastic for the A-League as well. Uh, we are going to be joining, straight after this break, Nick Stoll. He's an Aussie football writer. As I say, if you've got any questions you'd like me to put to him around the Aussie team or around how the World Cup's developing, text us through 8833. That is the Temper Post text machine. Love to get your questions You're as much part of the show as we are. So get them in and I'll put them to Nick. He will join us after the break. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Let's talk Football World Cup now. Um, Gosh, Australian sports fans just must be, who needs sleep? Just live on coffee and adrenaline. And I'm wondering if this man is in that neck of the woods as well, in that that state of flux. Nick Stoll, Aussie football writer and presenter. Aussie are through. They're out of group stage, Nick. Amazing for you guys. Uh, I'm in disbelief. I, I somewhat believe right now that this is a fever dream that I haven't been sleeping, that I'm now hallucinating. I'm talking on New Zealand radio about the Socceroos playing against Lionel Messi in a round of 16 at a World Cup. That's impossible. There's no way this could be reality. But I do believe that it might actually be true. I'm totally stumped. The amazing thing about this is, like, we're not Australian, obviously, but we take a very close look. Um, Lost to 4-1 France. We're just like, oh, yeah, that was always going to happen. And then... Beat Tunisia 1-0. Nice goal, nice goal. Oh, jeez, they've beaten Denmark as well with a great goal. Can, can Aussie football fans quite believe it? No, no, I don't. Like, I genuinely don't think so. And at every single point, even in the World Cup qualifiers when we played against Peru, no one thought we were going to beat Peru. We had a really bad qualification kind of lead-up. We, we'd been kind of outclassed by Japan at home and by Saudi Arabia as well. And we really felt inferior, If you, even if you looked at the squad... We didn't come into this World Cup with many, you know, the traditional thing is you want a lot of your players playing in good leagues for their clubs regularly, no injuries. A lot of our star players have had injuries. Harry Sutar has been one of our best players. He only played like one or two games before the World Cup. He's been out for like nearly 12 months. Uh, and he's been immense, uh, especially in these last two games. Uh, you know, you look at Matty Ryan, our captain, our goalkeeper. He actually lost his place uh, in Copenhagen, a Danish team. Uh, and so what a kind of night for him to, to knock out the Danes, where he's now been relegated to a second choice. There were so many reasons to not believe in this team, but I'm actually so glad that for whatever reason, internally, there's been so much self-belief. And that's what the players have always talked about, the, the belief in each other, the, the brotherhood. And, you know, again, after that first game against France, you could easily have seen them kind of crumble and realise, oh, you know, we're just not at this level. And, you know, France, it was 4-1. It could have been 8-1. That, that's how much they destroyed us. Um, but they really recovered well uh, against Tunisia, who, who didn't play particularly well. Uh, Australia, you know, defended incredibly well. And then against Denmark, you know, it wasn't like one of these games where, you know, our goalkeeper pulled off 10 amazing saves and we hung on by the skin of our teeth and it, the ball hit the bar four times and Denmark was cursed. They barely didn't really have, like, a clear chance. They had a lot of possession, but no real clear chance. And then Matthew Leckie, the hero, the guy who was equaling Mark Bresciano and Tim Cahill's record of most World Cup appearances for a soccer he doesn't get the respect that Tim Cahill and Mark Bresciano do, but he is equaling them in terms of appearances. And for him to score that goal, and it was a beautiful solo goal, 
it was just an unforgettable, you know, remember this, where were you moment. Uh, and it was so good to live it. Yeah, I was. I watched that goal this morning. And I went, that's going to be on all the news. You know, the dead rolls in and out of the sports news. That That's an iconic Australian sport moment and couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. Uh, one, of, one of the things you just mentioned then was the Australian team, you're used to pulling players in from all of the top leagues and you haven't now. But what do you think this does for the reputation of the A-League when you look at the Aussie players and most of them, a lot of them, are A-leaguers and the rest of the world go, are they going to scratch their head and go, what's this A-League? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it shows that, you know, it's often seen that when a player comes like Matthew Lucky's a good example, right? He he was playing in Germany, then he kind of stopped getting game time, then he was on the periphery, then there was come maybe second division Germany, and it just wasn't working out, and he came back to the A-League, and it was kind of considered like, oh, yeah, his career's kind of finished, or he's not at a world-class level. And for him to do that, and it's beautiful as well that Craig Goodwin scored our goal against France, another player playing in the A-League. Mitch Duke uh, scored the goal against Niger. Now, he's not playing in the A-League, but he was uh, until recently uh, playing for the Western Sydney Wanderers. And all these players, they're not, you know, destroying the A-League every week and and they're so dominant in this league. They find it hard. And we've seen, you know, superstars like Louis Nani come and the ex-Manchester United player come here uh, and play for Melbourne Victory. And he's got one assist and, and no goals. So I think... The A League, you know, I think it should be have more respect both internationally and both, you know, here in Australia and of course uh, in New Zealand. We, you know, we have the Wellington Phoenix, uh, you know, who have produced some wonderful players over the years that have, that have gone on to Europe. Can you tell us about the scenes? Like I've just seen snippets of the scenes of the the public in the middle of the night, letting off flares and skyworks and um, lasers, and oh, it's just going to be mental for the Argentinian game, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So last night was, I think, kickoff was at 2 a.m. Uh, kind of Australian Eastern Daylight Time in, in Melbourne, where you would have seen all those flares in, in the centre of Melbourne. So at 2 a.m. on a Wednesday, middle of the week, um, <laughs> there was, I think, 7,000 people uh, watching on the screen. Now, anyone who's been in one of these public site things, you know, it's not a comfortable watch. There's not like nice seats and beers being handed out and anything like that. You weren't meant to be drinking. You know, any any drinks that were being drunk were, were self-brought. Um, you're crowded. If you need to go to the toilet or anything, you know, it's not a kind of well-organized. The only reason you go to this thing is, is to have that collective joy, that that collective explosion of just ecstasy uh, when to experience something like that. It means so much to all of us as individuals, but when you're surrounded by, you know, people, the true believers who believe with you, it's just an incredible feeling that I just don't think you can get. Forget any other sport, any other event. You know, this is this is kind of like a concert where you don't know if your favourite band is actually going to come out and play the song. <laughs> uh, it's 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 just it's just an incredible moment, and it's really beautiful that for the Argentina game, which is at Sunday six a.m., which is a, I think a slightly better time in terms of more people will probably wake up early and, and go to wherever their site is, whether it's in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide. Um, and also it's a Sunday, so less people have to work the next day. And it, it's just going to be absolutely uh, incredible. And it'll also be incredible. There's a big Argentinian population, at least here in Sydney. So they'll be out in force as well. So it really is going to be one of the kind of the, the special, special nights or special, special mornings for Australian sport that we probably didn't expect a week ago. Well, I certainly didn't expect it. <laughs> 
do you dare to dream, Nick? Like, we've seen upsets in this Football World Cup. Now, admittedly, it is in pool stage, and now the rubber hits the road and you lose and you're gone. Um, you've got to afford your team, your Socceroos, some chance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Argentina haven't set the world on fire in this tournament. Uh, they've kind of slowly started building. They obviously had that first round of first match loss to Saudi Arabia. Um, and, and we've been competitive with Saudi Arabia in Asian qualifying. So, you know, it, I, I'm not saying we're favourites. I certainly wouldn't recommend anyone put, put a big wager on Australia, you know, if you are gamble responsibly, so on and so forth. Um, <laughs> but I, I, there is something in football, and we've seen it many times, you know, it's 90 minutes, it's knockout. What, what will happen is if we defend well in the first 15 minutes, first 30 minutes, and you get to a, a certain point in the game, there's always a tipping point when mm. the underdog holds the score nil all. And at first, you know, the underdog's so anxious to just to hold on and, and just to, you know, keep the score at nil all. And then at about, usually about the 40th minute mark, and we kind of saw it today with Denmark, you know, the Argentinian players might get to the 40th minute mark, realize it's nil nil and go, geez, how is it still nil-nil? How come we can't score against these guys? And then suddenly they get anxious and they get worried that it might eventually go to a penalty shooter. And we've seen, uh, we have a specialist in Andrew Redmayne who can come off the bench, do a Wiggles dance <laughs> and uh, save some penalties like he did against Peru to qualify us. So I, I do dare to dream, um, but I, you know, cautiously optimistic. <laughs> And I don't want to go too far ahead, and the players won't look too far ahead, but you and I can, just between the two of us. You know, yeah. If you got past Argentina, you then get Netherlands or USA. Potentially an easier game than Argentina. You could be semi-finalists, you mighty Socceroos. You know what? This is the greatest interview I've ever been a part of. I love this. <laughs> let's, let's go further. Semi-finals. I don't even know where the draw is going to go. But let's say we win the semi-final. Then we're in the final, right? Huge build-up. Massive, you know... Every every side in Australia is full. Every kid is wearing soccer his jersey. Then oh. somehow we win the World Cup. Australia <laughs> has done it. This is amazing. So then they fly back to, I guess, Sydney, and then they do the open-top bus parade. But let's keep it going. Let's get that bus go all the way down to Melbourne. It's a long drive. But <laughs> the fans across the country, they can they can line the, the main highway. Everyone can celebrate. This is this is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's only four games away. This wonderful bus parade that goes from Sydney to Melbourne to Adelaide. Um, petrol prices are expensive, so I don't know if they can afford it. Luckily, the prize money for winning a World Cup is good, so it should all work out. Um, but yeah, it is. This is what this is what the World Cup has done to us. It has allowed us to dream our most wild dream. Bugger it, Nick. Let's, let's do the nullable in an open-top bus. Let, let, <laughs> yeah. Let's do the whole hog. Hey, mate, do you, really, do you think if they beat Argentina Sunday morning, a new Australian record for sick days on Monday? Oh, I mean, well, no. I mean, Albanese, the, pre, the Prime Minister, has to declare a day of celebration, a public holiday, possibly two, you know, <laughs> then... then then we need to, because he needs to set one for the next for the to make sure that we've all got the time off. But you know, I mean, this is one of the beautiful times. Like I was actually at my Christmas party last night um, before I actually went into work for another job on uh, the Socceroos game, and every single person at the Christmas party was coming up to me and saying, "Where are we watching the match? Where are we watching the match?" Like they wanted to kick on until four in the morning uh, to watch the game, even though most of them had to work the next day. So, you know. These, these moments, they come around once every four years. It, it's so special to be a part of. The last time uh, we were in a round of 16 game was 2006. 
you know, I was 14 years old. Um, more than half my life, uh, you know, has elapsed since then. So it, it's just an incredible moment. And I just feel like you've got to make the most of it. Who cares if you go into work a little bit tired? Who cares if you have to call in sick? Enjoy this. You know, mm. <laughs> who cares if you have to drive to the Nullarbor to see the World Cup lifted? <laughs> you know, it's worth it. This, this will only happen once. Yeah. Now, now, listeners know I've drawn Argentina in the office sweepstake, but hand on heart, I'll be cheering for the Socceroos come Sunday morning. Um, I, I would just love our Oceania partners to hit that quarter, then draw either Netherlands and USA, get that, hit the semi, sky's the limit, nullable, here we come. Oh, I love it. I love I love this. has been a great interview. I hope the Socceroos listen to it and they, they dream this possibility and everyone heads to the Nullable. <laughs> I'm sending it to them. I'm going to clip it up and send it to them. Hey, Nick, <laughs> love the chat. Nick, uh, enjoy the next few days. I know you will. Thank you so much. Have a great day. There he is, Nick Stoll. What a great chat. Um, very jealous that we haven't got the All Whites over there, but I'm, I'm jumping in behind the Socceroos. Why not? It's just a fantastic, fantastic story. And seeing the, the pictures coming out, I, I can put, I can put trans, trans-Tasman rivalry to the side and jump on the Socceroos bandwagon. After all, this is the most of these guys are in the A-League, the team that we have our, our own guys in there as well. Um, what a story. If they, could, if they could find a way past Argentina and then they dare to dream to beat the Netherlands or the USA, whoever makes beatable, probably more beatable than the Argentinians. The belief they'd get out of being the Argentinians, then Netherlands, USA, and then semis. Oh, what a story. Take a breath. That was fantastic. New sport and weather. We'll be back after that. Let's go catch up. Uh, cruising in the hot, hot, overcast, drizzly weather. Uh, Brendan Popperwell, g'day Pops. I'm good, mate. We just had an amazing World Cup chat with a football writer in Australia and the delight and the shock and the fervour in Australia. I, I sort of was imagining it and he sort of confirmed what it's like just as a sports fan over in Australia. Um, incredible that they've made it out of group stage. Take on Argentina and they're daring to... I think if they get past Argentina, I think they win their quarterfinal as well. But... Um, Great story. Yeah. Look, sport, that's that's why we love sport, isn't it, Steph? Because sometimes the unthinkable can happen and it's unscripted. It is uh, the best thing going around in life, isn't it? When you can sort of see something like that with the Socceroos, what a moment for them. And um, Look, we all know what it was like uh, to, be, to, to see things like that for New Zealand football fans when we were a part of the of the World Cup and how much joy we were able to get out of the All-Whites and they were in the World Cup. So, yeah, look, um, all for them. And I'll tell you what, we're seeing a little bit of money uh, for Australia as well. So, um, yeah, look, yeah, hang on to your briefs is what I'm going to say here <laughs> if you're off to Australia. Uh, it's a big quote. But what I will say, Steph, is that Brazil continues to get backed in our outright markets. It is uh, the one team that... That people want to gravitate towards. They're 360, Argentina $6, France 650. They're the ones that are, are taking the nibbles away mm. from Brazil. But uh, yeah, as we spoke a couple of days ago, days ago the liability uh, is still with Brazil. And if you want to ride the Australian train, they're $201. 
uh, currently to win the World Cup. I just saw they're $15 to win their next match against Argentina, which would suggest to me that maybe the goal starts or something like that could be yeah. could be reasonable. Yeah, I reckon that's where you probably want to go looking because you know we've all seen some of these games that they've been they've been very tight matches. Uh, you know, a one nil result to, to either side. So if you're looking for something a little bit different and with them being such a long outsider, those type of options of goal starters is, is where you want to be looking. Uh, for this round of matches, what I can tell you is that Morocco is very well supported uh, in their matchup against Canada. The two dollars and ten cents were taken. Two thousand two hundred dollars is our biggest bet uh, around Morocco. With the other games, uh, Croatia, Belgium, we've seen Belgium 1-0 to be very popular at this stage at that $10 boosted uh, price. You know, a lot of punters are, are cashing in on a few boosts. There's a few that have come in over the last couple of days, so that's one boost that's uh, certainly taking some money. In Spain, we've seen some money around the goal start for Spain, minus 1.5, uh, 1500 on that option. Uh, at $2.10. I don't normally talk racing with you, but I've got an ex- I've got a long-term bet. I think it's being resulted uh, this Sunday. What a day's racing it is at Addington. Almost the, the fields and the, and the stakes and uh, the uh, prestige of the Group 1 performances at Addington on Sunday. Um, I don't know what race number it is, but I know I've taken, I think it's in the Ace of Spades, a horse called Sherlock. Sherlock. Oh, I yes. took it about three months ago. Did you? Mm. And you got yourself a a, a nice wee wee price. I'm just I'm, I'm just hurriedly going onto my phone to find out what price I got it at thirteen dollars. Oh well, you'll, you'll even be licking your chops now, Steph, because the horse has drawn barrier number one. Yes, uh, in a race over nineteen hundred and eighty meters. So um, if you haven't spent it already in your head, probably spend another quarter of that money um, because it's two ten into a dollar ninety Sherlock to win uh, on Sunday race five at two thirty seven. So wow. I'm sure you'll be putting the lawnmower down at that stage to make sure you can turn in and <laughs> watch Sherlock win. Mate, my lawns take about thirty five seconds to mow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. A pair of scissors down there. Yeah, um, there's so little lawns I just have to look at them and they stop growing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good day's racing though, eh? Oh, massive, mate, massive. And, of course, this is the the old sort of harness jewel setup that they used to have a couple of years ago where it was alternating between uh, Cambridge and also Ashburton. And, of course, that was held in the middle of winter. But now that the racing seasons have changed for the harness code, where they go from uh, Jan 1 to December 31, that means that they can have this culmination at the end of their harness racing season uh, in December. And, and it really does set up for what is going to be an enormous day of racing. The New Zealand Derby is also on the program, uh, race number seven, and that will that will probably take the centre stage, where Akuta is at $2.10 in front of Republican Party, who's at $2.30, and so far, money's fairly evenly split between those two particular runners. So, yeah, make sure you turn into trackside on, on Sunday. First race will be uh, at a quarter past 12. Before we leave it there, Staff, we'll leave you with one big bet yes. to follow in for the day. It is on the Cavs and the 76ers have taken $20,000 on the total points to be over 211. Wow. Over 211. So I'm going to quickly do my maths. It's, they've just started, is it just started the second quarter? Just finished. There's 56 points so far, two minutes into the second quarter. Hmm. I'm going to keep my eye on that. 211.
That's it. That's the one. Right. Watching brief. Thanks, Pops. It's good stuff, Steph. Cheers, cheers, mate. cheers, buddy. Great update there. The Cavs, 76ers. 76ers. Over to 11. I will keep my eye on that and do my maths on all of that. Um, you're enough news with Steffi. Big thanks to Gulp for sticking around with us all three hours today. Normally four, but three hours because we do have Phoenix Nation. But Gulp.NZ, they fill your mission all year round. We'll come back and find out what's making news. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Let's find out. Mark Stafford. Sam Hewitt. No Captain K today. Big shout out to Captain K. He's not here today. Had a uh, bereavement, um, sudden bereavement yesterday, which is sad for all concerned. So Captain K, if you're listening, um, thoughts with you, boy. Aroha nui mai, yes. Um, Great meme, not great meme, but a great post that's just come out from A-Leagues. A-Leagues. Yeah, on football. They call it the A-Leagues now because it's men's and women's. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, yeah so they call it A-Leagues. They've just done a post and it says, Denmark had players from Manchester United, FC Barcelona, Tottenham Hotspur, AC Milan, Seville FC and Leeds United. You know what they didn't have? Players from the Izuzu Ute Australian A-League. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. And it's a photo of them all celebrating. That's, That's good value from them. That's great value from them. Um, to other news around the world, did you see... Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, act of what you might call kindness at a Hawaiian 7-Eleven yesterday afternoon. Um, Making up for the ghosts of Christmas past is what they say. Uh, He's actually 50 years old. Crazy to think he's 50 years old. Um, So he returned to his hometown um, in Hawaii and went to the 7-Eleven of his hometown to buy every Snickers bar on the shelf. Right. The reason why? He was making up for all the Snickers he had stolen when he was a young kid, 14 years old. He said, I've been waiting decades to do what I'm getting ready to do now. They were videoing it, obviously. Um, He used to stop at the convenience store daily to steal king-size Snickers bars as his quote-unquote pre-workout food. The guy was working out at 14. What the hell? Um, But he used to... So anyway, he did that. He said he did that almost every... Did it almost every day for a year um, and said, you know, I've always had it on my conscience to come back and pay back the store. So when... Grabbed all the Snickers bars. Funnily enough, it only equaled $298 to buy every Snickers bar that they had in the shop. But the photo is quite funny because it's just all the Snickers on the shop counter. And it's the rock behind them all. But, but here's um, the thing. Yeah. So you put all the Snickers bars he stole and then the Snickers bars he's bought. He's got them all half price. He hasn't recompensed <laughs> them at all. <laughs> He should have just gone no, in and paid and not n- taken anything. No, he left the, the bars on the counter and directed the cashier to give them to anyone else who you know, might look like they're going to steal, like see young kids who, you know, here's a free Snickers, don't steal it, here's a free one, paid for by The Rock. But I do take your point, Steph. Mm. The business is still out of pocket. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Okay, Should've so you've double. just bought all those. What about all the ones you stole? You still haven't paid for those. Should have paid double, yeah. It's it's a little bit backhanded from The Rock. Um, I'm just thinking as well, when I become a millionaire, you know, famous actor, millionaire, um, does that Which mean Which will I, happen. Does that mean I have to go back to the Rife Range Dairy and buy all the K-bars? Yeah. <laughs> And I have to go back to Candy Corner and buy a packet of Jungle Juice uh, drink mix. Just one or you buy them all? No, I, I, just one. Okay. 
Just one. I will pay double though to to you know in proper reimbursement. Adjusted for inflation. Midday madness. Confessions. confessions of uh, childhood theft. Didn't we do that, though? Didn't Top. we do childhood theft confessions? Because that's where the rough range thing come from. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what yeah, that was. It could go down a dangerous path here. I don't want to get arrested. Um, <laughs> now, this headline is up there with some of the best you'll ever read, Mark. And I think you in particular will love this one. Good. Thai temple left without any monks after they all fail a drugs test. <laughs> So uh, four monks, including the abbot, and I'm assuming that's the, that's the, the head big, monk, yeah. uh, were forced to leave the, the monkhood after urine tests showed evidence of illegal drugs, the Bangkok Post reported. The small religious site in uh, uh, Phet Chaban province was raided by police Phet and health, yep. yeah, health officials yesterday. The departure of the monks has caused, con- uh, caused consternation in the local community, which relies on them for religious functions. There has also been concern about what will happen to several dogs and cats that also lived in the temple. Who's going to look after the cats oh, now no. that the four monks have been uh, ousted? Do you know what? There's a phenomenon over there. Actually, I yeah. saw it in Cambodia, not in Thailand. Fake monks. Oh, they get dressed up in robes and, oh, yeah. and like the you'll be you'll be sort of this particular one. I was in this hotel, sort of a beside the footpath little eatery, having my breakfast, and a guy comes mm-hmm. up and he just starts chanting and praying for you and blow, and then holds his hands out. And you're supposed uh, to give them some I money see. for the prayer, and I did, you know, the, in the hotel. And you go, no, no, a fake monk, fake monk. Oh. They just go around doing a prayer for you, and they get money. Do you reckon these guys might have been fake? No, nah, not, not if they're in a monastery. T- free accommodation. You know, like, <laughs> it's not a bad deal. I tell you what, the temples over there are amazing. Oh, I bet, yeah. And I, I remember watching like a doco on um, on monks or something. And yeah, some of the places they live in are actually very nice. I actually um, sat down and had an hour with one in a temple. And he just talks to you about life and the meaning of life. And it was just, open your mind. It's just fascinating. Well, that, that was take this, on life. Yeah, that's what this doco was about. And just like, they're obviously very minimalist. And yeah, yeah it was actually it was actually quite fascinating. Um, and just finally, in the probably the least predictable, sorry, least unpredictable story you'll ever read today, uh, Saudi Arabia, a club in Saudi Arabia, is uh, reportedly offering Ronaldo a very whopping sum. And I know Ricardo talked about this on uh, the morning show. $225 million. $225 million deal. Uh, $75 million a year. That's US, I think. So we're talking over 100 mil New Zealand. Um, and apparently they're doing it because none of the Europe clubs, they, they've sort of said themselves, we know none of the Europe clubs want you. So you come to Saudi Arabia. Come play in the desert. Would he? Wow. I mean, he's 40 years old. That's a lot of money. It's he's probably got an enough, ego though. thing. He's got enough. That's though. the thing. He's got enough money, so it's an ego thing. Is he prepared to give up his dream of playing in Europe, playing Champions League, to go play in the desert? Mm. There's probably a Saudi-owned club in Europe anyway. There probably is. Yeah. Oh, there's a Saudi-owned club. Is it Newcastle Saudi-owned? Yep, and Manchester United, uh, Manchester City as well. Mm. I think they're Saudi, but they're, they're somewhere sort of in that Middle Eastern region. Um, fact to finish. Please. Now, I did a, a bit of extra digging on this one because I wasn't sure if it was actually true. It's more of a... Um, legend as opposed to certifiable fact. Okay. But I want to bring it to you anyway. Do you know why we have expiration dates on milk bottles? <laughs> so you don't drink it and get crook? No, but like where it first came from. Oh, no. Apparently, according to the legend, comes from Al Capone. Really? His niece became extremely ill from bad milk. So the powerful Chicago gangster lobbied aggressively for expiration dates to be put on milk for the safety of children and pregnant women. He didn't think he'd leave that legacy. <laughs> what are you known for? Expiration dates on milk. Um, yeah, so I, I, TBC on whether that's 100% true, but um, that, is the, that is the sort of urban myth of legend. 
Great news, great fact. Yeah, love it. Al Capone. Come back, and I'll have an Australian Open golf update brought to you by Spark Sport right after this. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Four! <laughs> Goodness me, Sammy, you've done a treat with that. Australian Open Golf is on Spark Sport. It's live now. Um, giving you an update here. David Michaluzzi, an Australian, uh, six under, three-shot lead. He's uh, 15 holes into his first round. He's playing on the Victorian Golf Club. Remember, we spoke to... Bruce Young, they're splitting it over two courses initially, so Victorian Golf Club and Kingston Heath. Um, Peter Lonard, the veteran, is sitting alone in second at three under, and then the Kiwi, Nick Volk, is two under. Uh, the rest of the Kiwis, Denzel Eremia, he was an early leader, but unfortunately he's had a double bogey. He's slipped back to one under. He's tied 14. Luke Toomey, Harry Bateman, both tied 39th. Michael Hendry tied 52nd, and Ben Campbell, Tied for 66 at three over just through 10 holes. And on the women's side, because the women's Australian Open is on as well, Kiwi uh, Momoka Kaburi, she is tied sixth. And Munchen K, she is tied 11th. So there's other Kiwis in there as well. Um, but they're the top two of the New Zealand women. So we'll keep bringing you the updates of the ISPS Honda Australian Open. It's live, first round today, and it's live all the way through to December 4th on Spark Sport. Let's take a break for new sport and weather. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome back in. <clears throat> I'll just give you an update on the Cleveland Philadelphia, that massive bet that uh, Brenda Popper told us about. They've got to get over 211 points. Uh, still time to go in the first half. Uh, they've got 112 of them already. Already. So uh, they're flying. Uh, text, hey, Staffy, great interview. Definitely jumping on the Socceroo bandwagon, although I will draw the line at wearing anything green and all gold. I understand that, Sam, from Auckland. I'm not, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just... Oh, it's just so good to talk to him. Also, so good to talk to him. Someone's asked what time the vault. Um, I think it is at 2.45-ish. Listen in from about 2.35. In fact, Paul, after the 2.30 news, we've got Show Me The Money, and that's when me, Sam, someone else, I'll drag someone else from the office in, actually, whoever's out there, and they can be the third leg, and a caller can be the fourth leg, a $50 TRB bonus bet uh, to be all won by you, but shared responsibility by the four of us. And then we'll take a break, and then we have the vault after that, which is up to $200. Me, oh my. All worth winning. All worth winning. 
Um, very shortly, we're going to be talking to Tony Johnson, the man out of Sky Sport. Great rugby man. If you've got any questions for TJ, we'll have him for a little while. Um, <clears throat> on the rugby season, uh, I really want to talk to him about uh, the coaching situation. When should New Zealand, not not necessarily the who, but the, the jockeying of position on the international scene for coaches is quite amazing. And, of course, we do have the New Zealand Rugby Awards coming up uh, this time next week. Well, next Thursday night. Um, but he's on the line now, Tony Johnson, the great man. G'day, TJ. Hi, Staffy. Uh, there's so many things to talk about because we haven't got a game to talk about as such. So I just, if we could, just walk through the season. We've had time to reflect. It's been a tumultuous, emotional year for the fans. Probably got a little bit too emotional sometimes, but they always say that's because we care. The All Blacks season. Um, everyone's been giving it C's and B's and all that sort of thing. I guess the big question is, are we in a better position now than we were at the start of the year? Well, we've certainly uh, got a better coaching staff than we had at the beginning of the year. Uh, that What was happening, it just wasn't working, uh, which is, you know, it's a shame for the people involved because, you know, I know um, the, the guys concerned, they're the good people, um, but something had to be changed. I mean, there was that uh, sort of watershed moment that around the test match in Johannesburg where I think they were, you know, on the verge of making the, the, the big change that uh, Scott Robertson had been approached. There was talk that if they hadn't won that test, then, then there would have been the big change. But I think that, that they did uh, alter those positions. I think clearly bringing uh, Jason Ryan into the mix has had uh, a very positive effect. Uh, and, and from there on in, um, I think if it wasn't for that last 10 or so minutes and the meltdown at Twickenham, I think we'd probably say that things didn't turn out too bad. But I guess those, those last two, 10 minutes uh, just opened up a, or knocked the scab off a couple of old wounds and, and left us with this feeling of uncertainty. But, but judged on, based on what I've seen, um, you know, this year, I would say the All Blacks, I, I think they're still uh, a, a chance at winning the World Cup. Uh, you know, obviously there are things that need to improve um, and, you know, that, that are pretty obvious about, you know, what happened in, in the last 10 minutes of Twickenham, but also, you know, greater consistency needed from certain players. Um, but, you know, it's not as bad as it was, you know, setting out to be. It, it could have been a, a, a really, possibly a worst, it had the potential to be the worst ever year uh, for the All Blacks. It turned out to be not that. Uh, there were signs of promise. There were some good performances, but still obviously uh, improvements needed ahead of next year's World Cup. And I can never remember a time when there's been so much talk about international coaching appointments and do they change now, who's available. There's all this talk, there's PVAC, there's Robertson, there's Warren Gatlin, there's Eddie Jones, there's been Ian Foster, there's Dave Rennie. It's, it's a massive conversation going on. But the question, TJ, is it sounds like England are close to making a move, maybe Wales again, and um, Scott Robertson floating around without a gig. Do you think New Zealand rugby need to come out and say what's happening coaching? Can they? Should they? Will they? Well, the thing is, if they were to come out now, it would be to say, you know, we, we've put it in place that Scott Robertson takes over the All Blacks uh, at the end of the World Cup. And I don't think you can do that. Mm. You've got to have a due process because there are other names in the mix. And I've all along, you know, I, I really like 
the potential and the combination of uh, Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown. Uh, you know, I'd love to see them part of the mix going forward. Um, or I, I think, you know, they could be a very valuable part of the mix. Uh, I, I agree that, you know, Scott Robertson has a compelling case to be the all-black coach. And I think the worry has got to be is that someone else is going to make the move first mm. and the rest of it's going to be like a, a stack of dominoes. Uh, and and I, I suppose that's the situation that New Zealand rugby finds itself in. And it, 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 it's irksome, really, that the whole year next year, which is supposed to be about the World Cup, you're going to have this massive side issue uh, because of the uncertainty in England and in Wales and in Australia and in New Zealand, you, you've got this whole other storyline going on, uh, w- which is not at all helpful when you're trying to win the World Cup or trying to build and w- win a World Cup. And I, the thing for me is um, the next, uh, the all-black coach after the World Cup is either Foster or Robertson. It, it, I, I can't see any. Well, no, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's the case. Surely there are other contenders as well, and I've just mentioned two of them. But that's—I I think we're always looking for simple answers to complex questions, and it takes us back to the sort of the Graham Henry v. Robbie Dean scenario, doesn't it? And also uh, it assumes that Ian Foster will want to keep going in the job. So I—I mm. I don't know. You—you I, I, can't—you um, can't sort of rush the decision, but by the same token, uh, there's got to be a fear. Uh, that the you know the decision will in part be made by things that are going on elsewhere, and this is where you know Razor Robertson finds himself in this position where it would appear that he has two or three prospects. He's not exactly playing it all down, um, and and so again this this becomes this huge side issue in the most you know in this year of years that is the most important year of of the cycle, isn't it? It, it really is. And um, I, I'd imagine Scott Robertson would like a decision. He'd like to know what he is doing post-Crusaders or if he could get out of the Crusaders if England said, we want you right now, come right now, they'd probably buy him out of his Crusaders contract, that sort of thing. It's I've never known so much speculation globally, TJ. Yeah, but you're, you're also assuming that he's not top of England's list. Yeah. And... and when I see a name like Steve Borthwick, who I, you know is a terrific coach, he's in the mix as well. Ronan O'Gara in the mix. There's talk of Robertson and O'Gara. Um, it's not exactly helping England either, um, <laughs> by the way. Uh, but I wouldn't assume that he's necessarily uh, top of England's wish list. I mean, I, have they even got that far? Have they even got that far into discussions? Um, and, and you know, I, but is it by the same token? Much as I. I think they've prevaricated over a lot of important issues. I just don't think New Zealand rugby can just come out right now and say Scott Robertson will be the all-black coach after the next World Cup. Mm. Um, I've because it seems to me that that's what people want to hear. Yeah, they're but not, I, I not going to hear that. I don't see how they can do that. Mm. I'm hearing that England are making an announcement tomorrow. Uh, well, Friday, England time, so maybe Saturday morning New Zealand time, and it's either going to be Eddie Zayas or making a change, and uh, it'll be fascinating to see, because uh, you're right, once one domino falls, they will fall quick, and it'll be fascinating oh, to sit yeah. back and watch. I'll be surprised if they if they fire Eddie Jones at this point. I know that there's a massive campaign going in there, and I always said it, you know, when he got the job, that they would love him until they hated him. Yeah. When they hated him, it was all going to be on, and, and he's, you know, he's copping... So much. And I think he deserves to as well. I don't think he's developed this England team at all. I think they're going backwards. 
but dare they make that decision? I don't. And the other thing too is who would want to take on that role? If you're Scott Robertson, do you think you can turn England around and turn them into something else uh, with what was one Six Nations campaign mm. uh, and virtually, you know, a, a couple of friendlies? Uh, because there's not going to be much going on in, in, uh, in June, July of next year, uh, because it's a World Cup year. Do you, would you, do you take that on, really? I don't. Hell no. And I don't know oh, if he would either, yeah, you know. You're basically setting yourself up. You're inheriting um, something that, you know, as I say, should have been dispatched by the All Blacks, were dispatched last week at, at, at Twickenham, and there's just something rotten in the whole thing. Um, so you really think you take that job on as a short-term thing? Mm. And also the the speculation that um, Owen Farrell's looking at going back to Wigan next year, which would be flipping amazing. Oh, well, yeah, I tell you what, go, go for your life, mate. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't. There's not a lot I'd I find. Uh, he's done some great things for England, but but I yeah, I'm not a fan. Good man, not go a great. Yeah, um, New Zealand Rugby Awards will be fantastic next week. I always enjoy the celebration of um, the national game, and, I, and I'm looking through some of the nominees. And the first one I landed on actually was the age grade player of the year, and it's a real advertisement for the for the future of rugby in New Zealand. When you get George Bell from Canterbury, Peter Luckey, who I thought was fantastic for Wellington, and Carlos Spencer's son Peyton Spencer out of Auckland. There's some good youngsters in there. Oh, yeah, and there were more than those three as well. And this is the difficult job that you have, uh, is whittling down a whole lot of contenders. I mean, obviously, in some of the categories, and look, I better sort of uh, make full disclosure here, Staffy. I can't give away too much. I'm actually a convener of the panel, and yeah. you know, it's a privileged position. I've had it now for three years, and I'll tell you, it, this year it, didn't get, it wasn't any easier. Obviously, some decisions more straightforward than others. Um, but there's a lot of thought goes into it, there's, there's input uh, you know, you, you, you seek advice from people um, outside it as well, so you've got a lot of information um, but you know, that was one where yeah, I think we've got three very, very exciting uh, contenders um, for, for that job and three tremendous prospects but but mate, the list didn't stop there, I promise you. Mm. The other one that I was interested in um, where is it? Uh, gosh, now I've gone and blimmin lost it it was a player, it was a, t- there it is, the team of the year, two Heartland teams, a super rugby team and an NPC team. It, it, it's massive for Ngāti Pro East Coast and South Canterbury to land in the final four of team of the year. I think it's great. Well, they were great stories, weren't they? Mm. Um, and and uh, you, you think about where Ngāti Pro East Coast have been um, and it, you know, it's kind of the story of their history, really, isn't it? They go through lean patches and suddenly they just hit a, a wonderful um, purple patch. So, you know, it was it was lovely um, to be able to um, have them in the mix. But also South Canterbury, you think about what they've done, unbeaten uh, again. Uh, they are such a great force uh, in, in the Heartland competition. And, I, you know, I think that it was the feeling of the panel that it was important to reflect that in, in, in the finalists. Um, just tell, and I know that as a convenience thing, you can't give too much away, but just we can get an insight and in, in, into the process and and how you do it. Is, is it vote numbers? Is it discussion? You've got to have a strong argument. Is, is How's it like Super Rugby? Let's go Super Rugby Pacific Player of the Year. Will Jordan, Stephen Perifetha, Adi Savia. 
wonderful, wonderful players. How as a group do you, gosh, delineate all of their form and their performances and come up with one? Well, the good thing is, is that, uh, you know, everyone uh, did their homework and we've got a good panel um, that um, um, Elliot um, Smith, uh, Honey Hitting Me Smiler, Ken Laban, uh, other members of the panel, you know, who you know, really um, studied everything uh, mm. exceptionally well. Um, you know, th- there are, uh, every category has criteria. And I won't I won't go into that, but but these have been formed over the years, and and I've, I've been fortunate enough to be on the judging panel for over a decade now, I think. Um, and and you have strict criteria, for example, that you know you'd imagine the Tom French, um, which is is such an illustrious, such a yes. a, a, a sacred trophy, really, um, that there are um, certain criteria that a player has to fulfil, and and some of it's about um, the way they conduct themselves. Um, and, and, you know, that, that all comes into it. Um, there are also, I might add, um, some riders that um, th- there's a certain requirement of, of players to present, um, uh, you know, a good image on and off the field. And so if anything happens off the field, um, that can often see a player being withdrawn from contention. Uh, that's not a decision that we make. That's a decision that's made for us. Uh, and the other thing, too, in, in the... Um, you know, effort to promote uh, greater standards of conduct on the field, uh, that if a player is red-carded during the year, it removes them from, from contention. Now, uh, that's just a, that's a decision that's been... It's, it's above our... Um, I was going to say pay grade. We don't get paid to do it. Um, <laughs> but, but those are the decisions that are, have been laid down and pre- presented to us, that, are, you know, that there are certain criteria that have to be met, and some of them very specific to each role. But, you know, and other ones, too, that are just... a are really a joy to sort through. Um, for example, the the the, um, the Munro Award uh, for, for um, Volunteer of the Year. Mm. Every year, you get put you know in front of you seven or eight or more uh, contenders. Each and every one of them would be a worthy winner because the the time, the dedication, the effort that they make uh, to, to making the game, um, you know keeping the game alive at, at, at grassroots level, promoting the game. You know, we've got people in there this year who, who were directly responsible or largely responsible for great increases in the numbers of, of people playing the game, um, for the promotion of, you know, um, at, you know, we've had people who, you know, great um, uh, roles that they've played in promoting people with, say, disabilities and, and um, certain um, you know aspects of the game, all that sort of thing comes into it. So that's always great fun to try and uh, find a winner out of those because every single one of them is probably a worthy winner. I just noticed there's no um, there's no black ferns in a team situation. There's no Wayne Smith in a coaching situation. Um, how did that work? Uh, no, that's not. Yeah, we've got a couple of categories there where the finalists. Uh, are so obvious. Right. Um, for example, team of the year. Yeah. Uh, that, that that that's national teams of the year. Well, there's only five or six of them, so there's really no need to whittle it down. Same gotcha. coach of the year. Gotcha. Um, so, so, wait, don't worry. I'm sure Wayne Smith will get a. You know, it's, it's part of the mix. Yeah. Um, um, is it no, hard? No. All Blacks player of the year. Gosh. 
the, the most watched team, the most scrutinised team, and uh, Jordy Barrett, Adi Savia, Samasoni Tokiaho, Sam Whitelock, and again, you could probably chuck a couple more on there. Uh, the hard job to get it to four, even harder to get it to one. Yeah, um, and look, everyone has their opinion, and that's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? You know you're not going to please everyone. Mm. Um, and if you thought that was hard, uh, try whittling down the um, the black ferns to four. I know, I know. I'm just looking at those two and like, oh, my God. <laughs> DeMont, Fitzpatrick, yeah, I mean, Flula, Hironi. There were probably two or three others uh, who, who could have made it, and obviously, you know, fan favourites as well, the likes of Ruby Tui. Uh, I mean, if you'd had a Personality of the Year award, I think she'd be a fairly strong contender for that. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, it, but that's why you, you take the job on in the knowledge that it's not going to be easy. And, look, oh, I've got a thick skin. I know it's, you're not going to please everyone. Uh, I remember the year that uh, um, we named Kendra Coxage as Player of the Year. Now, it was the unanimous view that, that she deserved that title. But I can tell you, I hadn't even got as far as the bar before I had a couple of blokes, you know, lining me up. Not, not, in, a, not in an abusive sort of a way, but, you know, not, not agreeing with the decision. Well, you know, you just have, you have to expect that. Oh, mate, you watch the Hellbergs, you watch the Oscars, you watch the Espies, you watch the Grammys. You're never going to get unanimous, no, I'd, I'd eh? Like, I'd like to think we're not quite as political as the, uh, as the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, surely not. TJ, what's been? What's and, been? And, and, and heaven forbid that Kanye West appears on the on the podium and starts saying that someone else should have won this <laughs> such and such an award. We haven't had that yet. Oh, that'd be tremendous. G- give us, give us your a couple of your rugby highlights uh, as we wrap up twenty twenty two. TJ, what's what what's really got you this year? Um. Well, first of all, I've got to say um, I, I really enjoyed the NPC again and I thought Wellington had a great year and I'm not giving away any clues here. Uh, you know, just, just just from a personal point of view, I love to see, uh, you know, the, the double being done, the Ranfurly Shield and the, the NPC. I think that was, that, that was great. Um, you mentioned those two stories from the Heartline. I thought that was great. I, I think probably... You know, the highlight of the year for me had to be uh, the Black Ferns winning the World Cup. I mean, it was a great tournament. Uh, it was a great celebration of not just women's rugby, women's sport, but rugby in general. And I, the, the comment that I've made from that, Staffy, is that it was just a reminder of, of how good the game can be when you've got teams all going out with a positive intent. And I think that was, if, if there's anything that I, I really concerns me at the moment, is that there aren't enough teams at the, at the top level in, in, in the men's game, um, playing positively. They're trying to play around the laws. They're trying to slow the game down. They're riding the referee. All of these sorts of things. I think the game's been uh, probably over-referee. Might be best intentions, but you know when you get uh, TMOs being ticked off by the world rugby bosses for not being involved enough, you think there's a, there's a problem there. So, you know, I, I, I think... They've got some challenges, and, and it'd be, be nice to think that come the World Cup next year, that the men might take a leaf from the women and just uh, think about how much of a, of a you know great spectacle can be provided when teams go out there, you know, when they're interested in, in playing, interested in you know using the ball, moving the ball around, uh, entertaining, not stopping, not slowing it down, not arguing, that sort of thing. 
Brilliantly said. Brilliantly said, TJ. Really appreciate your time, and I know our listeners uh, always enjoy your input across the year. You summer well, my friend, and we will do it all again next year. Thanks heaps for, for making yeah, yourself available. Well, thank you. Hope uh, everyone be safe out there. Um, take care of each other. Have a great Christmas, and we'll do it all again. Uh, do it all again next year. Brilliant, TJ. Thanks again, buddy. Right, mate. Okay, see you. Tony Johnson from Sky Sport. Really appreciate his time. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Yes, for uh, first of four rounds, Australian Open Golf on Spark Sport is underway at the moment. Leading the way is still David uh, Michaluzzi. I hope I'm saying his name right. He's on the 7860. He's three shots ahead of three chaps. Connor McKinney, he's an Australian. Gunnar Weeby, he's American. And Peter Lonard, the veteran as well. Nick Voke, the Kiwi, best of the Kiwis. He's finished. He's in the clubhouse at two under, so a good opening round for him. And Lucas Herbert, one that Bruce Young and I spoke about uh, earlier this week, is a uh, unheralded Australian golfer, but he's very good. He's currently tied for fifth. The other Kiwis, Denzel Iremia, <clears throat> one hole remaining, tied 14th at one under. One over is Luke Toomey, two over Michael Hendry, four over is Harry Bateman and Ben Campbell in the women's side of the, <clears throat> excuse me, Aussie Open, both at one under, two Kiwis, tied for eighth, so Good start for them, both on the 15th, but at different courses. There's Momoka Kaburi and Munchen K, I think her name, K-E-H-K. Um, so Kiwi's doing quite well, early doors though, but do remember that the ISPS Hunter Australian Open is live right now, right through all four rounds, and it is on Spark Sport. You're on Afternoons with Staffy. Good to have your company alongside Gull. Gull.nz is your destination. Find out where the economical fuel is because they will fuel your mission all year round. If you want to play, show me the money. We're going to do it straight after the news. So 0800 150 811. If you want to take part in a four-leg multi, you pick one, we'll pick three. We put 50 on, you get the winnings. 0800 150 811. Show me the money straight after the news. Show you the money. Righto, we're going to play Show Me The Money. We've got a celebrity tips to we'll reveal who that is, who I've just dragged him into the studio. Um, I'm just trying to open the phone box here to see who we've got. Um, Gee, Sammy spun the wheel. Gosh, I don't think it's ever landed on line nine, but it's ended on line nine, which is Mark from the Deep South. G'day, Mark. Good afternoon, Steffi and the crew. How are you? Good, buddy. Good, good, good. Um, me, Sammy, and our celebrity tipster are going to pick a leg each, and then you pick a leg as well. Do you want to go first or last? No, I'll go last. I've got a couple. I'll just wait to see how you guys go. Okay, okay. Uh, Sammy, do you want to go first or second? You, you, you're running the laptop and the, the faders. And yeah, I'm doing a lot of, I'm doing just a lot of in, the, in the kitchen, mate. <laughs> Yeah, stirring a few pots, as it were. Um, Steph, uh, oh, yeah, I'll start. Um, look, haven't touched this in quite a while, but it's my favourite sport. Go Ice to, hockey. Going to the NHL. 
Found, l- found a little bit of value tomorrow. So uh, my little tip for the NHL people is you always look at the goal start here because often the goal starts that the TAB will list are, are plus one and a half or minus one and a half. And in ice hockey, you very rarely win by one goal unless it goes to overtime because the team will empty their net. So you're talking two, three, four goal margins, right? Now, the goal start margin in the Dallas Stars-Anaheim Ducks game tomorrow is minus, minus one and a half for the Dallas Stars. The Anaheim Ducks are dead last in the NHL on 14 points. The Anaheim, uh, sorry, the Dallas Stars, who are very, very high scoring, um, look, they're not doing amazingly, but they're doing a lot better than Anaheim. So I'm just going to take them at the at the goal start at minus one and a half at a dollar eighty. I think that's. So they just have to win by two or more. Show me the Yeah, they just have to get that empty net goal, and away we go. All right. Well, I've got a goal start as well, Sam. Brilliant. I'm all about the Socceroos. I should actually say, sorry, Dallas are doing very, very well in the Western Conference. Right, Socceroos. Socceroos. Now, they're $15 head-to-head. I'm not going to do that. I'm taking Australia plus 2.0. So what that means, Sam, is Australia can win, Australia can draw, or Australia can lose by one, and the bet wins. Okay, I'm just trying to find the goal star. There it is. $2.10. Well, that's not bad, Mark. Thank you. Show me the money. Mm. Okay. Celebrity tipster. Off to a flyer. To my left. Reveal yourself when I turn your mic on. I just push all the buttons. Okay, push all the buttons. It's Ricardo. <laughs> um, not much of a celebrity. Uh, tipster, possibly. Um, World Cup as well, tomorrow morning. Okay. Tomorrow morning. Nice. You're going to kick us off. Spain versus Japan. Mm. The draw is at 450. Wow, okay. And that Japanese team obviously beat Germany 2-1. They're they're a lot better than the team that lost to Costa Rica. I mean, Costa Rica had two touches in their box the whole time. They should have murdered them. They didn't. Uh, A draw is enough for both Spain and Japan to get through. Oh, there we go. They'll just stay in the own half. (laughs) Just play David Tennis soccer. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I feel like that's what um, Argentina and Poland did towards the end of the game today. They just sort of looked at each other and thought, hey, you're going through, I'm going through. Why don't we we have a party together? Righto, Mark Deep South, you've got some, that's going to be some nice coinage multipliers. I was yeah, I was looking at I was looking at football, but it was a bit of a open the shoulder swing for defence. I was going for sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a football fan, so Ricardo, what, what thoughts on Croatia versus Belgium? Yeah, where, well, which way are you leaning? I was looking at both to score three corners each and two cards each at seven dollars. Yeah, I, <laughs> to be honest, I, don't, oh, yeah. I like that. I quite like that's that. That's a head boy. Yeah. yeah uh, the Otherwise, thing... I was just going for a horse. So Troy Scanlon from the BGP tippers puts out a good horse tip. But yeah, I thought about swinging for the fence today. Nah, swing for it, mate. Swing, swing for it. Get, out that, get out that driver and go for the 300 yards, Tee it mate. High, let it fly. Yeah, <laughs> Martin Guptill, I'll put the old dead, dead eyes and go for it. <laughs> so seven bucks. Okay, so... Uh, oh, I'm strapping myself in for this, collect. Please strap yourself in, staff, because currently the odds sit at $119.07, meaning when we put the $50 bonus bet on, $5,903.50. Take it to the bank. Yes. <laughs> you've left the fi- You've left the continent. It's over the fence and that's, yeah. out of here. That's hitting Smithy's car in the parking lot. Oh, Mark <laughs> from the Deep South, I like your attitude. You're, you're my kind of contestant. Love it, love it. Good, good stuff, lads. Good man, good man, Mac. Mark from the Deep South, 5'9". Five, five Did you like that? Three corners each and yep. two cards each. Yep. It'll be, it's a game that Belgium have to win if they want to progress. Croatia are in the box seat, but Croatia are a very good side. They're the best team in the group. I picked them at the beginning of the tournament to to make it through to the final against uh, potentially Brazil. There's plenty of cards in football, eh? Yeah.
Oh, I, I looked up again when it was come, it looked like it might come down to a count back in cards this morning. I looked at Saudi Arabia got seven cards in one game. Yep, seven. And I think Mexico had eight overall, mm. overall over three games. So you know, there's plenty of cards. I I did the uh, the Portugal Uruguay game. Uh, both teams love to kick lumps out of each other, um, and I, I had uh, yeah three plus cards, and that was paying five bucks. Wow, it was easy money. What's coming up on the Phoenix Nation? Might as well do that now. Might as well, yeah. I've got Chris Greenacre, um, the former Phoenix striker, he's running their uh, reserves team. They've just finished their season, and he's just got his full pro license, meaning he can take charge of any pro club in the world. He's got that full license, so. Can I hear all whites? Yeah, well, you could potentially hear all whites, yeah. <laughs> um, and we are also talking to Gareth Turnbull, who set up the Football Ferns Development Programme. Oh, nice. He's now uh, second in charge at Melbourne Victory. So we've got him on the show. Uh, we've also got Callum, who's the assistant coach Natalie at the Women's uh, Phoenix. And then we will have a, uh, we'll give away some uh, Oppo earbuds as earbuds. well. Earbuds, yes, fantastic. Um, with a, with a, the Oppo Fan Challenge. That is Phoenix Nation. That will come to you from 3 to 4 with the great man Rick Dog, Ricardo Ball, and your interaction as well. Chris Greenacre, one of the great men. All right, we wish Mark from the Deep South uh, coming up. And uh, The Vault is coming up next. I was just trying to see what we said in my ears. The Vault. If you want to play The Vault, $200 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. You've had two days of clues. You get three questions, and you can ask me for a couple from the last two days as well, just to help you jiggle along. If you can nail the piece of sporting, iconic sporting moment that Sammy's locked into the vault, $200 bonus bet. If you want to play, call again, 0800 150 811. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Three questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault? That is the big question, and if you can crack the vault, you'll be richly rewarded with a $200 TOB bonus bet mm, to spend yum. at your leisure. Put it on, show me the money. <laughs> and then make yourself, what, 20K? Oh, oh. <laughs> I, it. Ah, I tease, I tease. Who did the wheel spin up? Sammy? Well, I spun around. We look a lot of calls, and I just want to say to everyone, staff, that we do see all your calls coming. That just simply can't answer them all at the same time. So we uh, we do take who we can. We spin the wheel with the people that are on hold, and today it's landed on Morgan. Morgan, line two, line two. So we had line nine for show me the money. Got line two, Morgan. G'day, Morgan. G'day, Steph. How you going, mate? Good, thanks, buddy. Uh, have you been listening the last couple of vault days? Um, yeah, I think I listened on Tuesday. Tuesday, right. Tuesday. So Monday, we had seven questions. I'll give you two of the questions to help you along, okay? Yeah. So this is your first two. These are two from Monday. Is the New Zealand team involved? Yes. And is it in the Northern Hemisphere? No. And then Tuesday, you heard... So you get three questions today, three yes-no questions, and then you have to guess what the iconic sporting moment is. Are you ready for your three questions? Yes. Right. Question number one from Morgan. Is it a team sport? To Sam, is it a team sport? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Does it involve a round ball? Oh, nice question. Round ball involved, Sam? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, 
You take your time. You've got one more question then, I guess. Is it post-2010? No, it is not. Post-2010, no. So pre-2010. Now you have to guess. So it's a team sport with a round ball before 2010. Uh, played in the Southern Hemisphere. That's what you've got so far. With the New Zealand team? Yep. Um, I don't know. I'll just go because it's topical. Um, 2009 Bahrain, New Zealand World Cup qualifier. Well, I'll put it into the, uh, into the lockbox. Access is denied. But worth a go. Worth a go, Morgan. Thank you, sir. Cheers, buddy. Um, Narrowing it down, 250. Um, Did did that already get guessed? Didn't that get guessed on Monday, Bahrain? No, I thought that's where he was going, but he went all white Scotland with Steve Sumner. If I may um, just offer a bit of advice, Steph, to the to the listeners out there, just go back and have a listen to the uh, to the previous vault if you if you are interested in playing because I feel like there was a few questions in there that were already asked. Team sport had been asked, yeah, and also pre two thousand and ten, which he, I've was given you, yes. which I've given you an answer for, but it was asked a couple of days ago. So mm. we're going to two fifty for tomorrow, and I would say that we're no closer almost than we were on Monday. See, Steph. I feel I like, but I've obviously listened every day. But see, now someone's going to come on and you've still got to work out pretty much what the sport is. Yes, I feel like I know what the sport is Okay, now. but you've still, got to, you've still got to confirm that. Yes. And then you've got to confirm, you know, a, a team or a, or an event or what, what it might be, you know. Mm. So it, anyone listening now, just go back and find the vaults on the Afternoons of Staffy podcast, listen to them, because now you've got 7, 12, 15, couple of double ups. So let's say you've got 13 questions there to help you. 13 I don't know future. if we've got a limit on how high this vault can go, Steph, but I feel like no one's any closer. And uh, we've got I feel like I'm close. But well, you know what sport it is, but that's it. I don't. Well, I feel like well, you I feel know like what you know sport what sport is. is, but that's it. But I might, yeah. But then if, I, if I've got that sport right, then I've got four choices. I, in want my tell, head. I want you to tell me what they are in the break. I'm very interested. Okay, I'm very interested. <laughs> All right, but 250 tomorrow for someone. That's you know, that's big day. That's life changing money, Steph. That's life changing money. It is Sam Hewitt. Yeah, 100%. Oh, 100%. Uh, obviously, the, um, I guess the Football World Cup quarters are coming up. That's what he can use your bonus bets on. Yeah, that's very true. <sighs> Don't forget, too, uh, Longest Day. Cancer Society's Longest Day Golf Challenge is on. If you want to take part, if you want to help out the great crew at the Cancer Society, you get to longestday.org.nz. It says, would you rather be playing golf right now? That's a silly question because we all would. So grab your mates. Grab your whanau. Have four rounds in a day. Why won't you? Pack a lunch. Longestday.org.nz. Cancer Society. Great crew. Take a break. Our last break. And we'll bring you back and find out what happened on December 1st in past years. If it's happening in New Zealand sport, you'll hear about it on SEN. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. We will take a look back on this day 
December 1. 1973, Jack Nicklaus became the first player to reach 2 million in PGA Tour career earnings. Think about that for a minute. They more than win, than, win more than that in one tournament now. Uh, he won his third consecutive Walt Disney World Open. He finished at 13 under to win by one stroke over Mason Rudolph. 2012, former England cap- uh, captain David Beckham bowed out of the LA Galaxy with a second MLS Cup winner's medal. He helped the Galaxy to a 3-1 win over the Houston Dynamo. And the roar that greeted that goal will be replicated as number 23 is going to make his exit here. David Beckham exits... The MLS stage, and he exits it. A two-time MLS Cup champion. Back-to-back titles for Beckham to take off into the sunset. What a playing career he had, and his final six years were in the Major League Soccer Cup. Uh, Birthdays today, there's a swag of them. Uh, 82, still going. Former pro golfer Lee Trevino. Uh, Bobby Fulton, former Manly legend. He did it all, does it all, at the club 75. The King turns 63 today. Yeah, there's been a lot of injuries in this great game. It's been played at an amazing pace. But here's Wally Lewis with a stolen ball now. Lewis makes his way upfield. He's got some pace. Lewis, can he go all the way? Still there. He does wrong. Wally Lewis has gone in. And look at this. Wow. We've said it before. This fellow is so incredibly strong. He doesn't look like he has the pace. But boy, oh boy, he just powered his way through the line there. Daryl Eastlake, there's a blast from the past. Wally Lewis, 63 today. 59 today, Arjuna Ranatunga, former Sri Lankan test captain. 57 today, can't believe he's that old. Henry Honeyball, former South African first five. And Alice Robinson, champion Kiwi Alpine skier. It is her birthday today. Happy birthday, Alice. 21. I wonder if you still get a key with a mirror on it. Uh, don't know. Mrs. Doubtfire was the number one movie on this day in 1993. Film. Number one. Oh, what a film, Mrs. Oh, Doubtfire. I thought I said I said it was a film. I said it was a movie. I oh, people say tune. It's like film. Yeah, it was a good one, actually. That was Robin Williams, eh? Yeah, fantastic. Number one song in that same year, Meat. And I would do anything for love. Oh, I would do anything for love. I would do anything for love. But I won't. Oh, meat. Meat loaf. Little bit of tomato relish. Thank you, Sammy. Big day on the tour, Sammy. Solo. Salute you, my man. Uh, See you soon, Captain K. Take your time, brother. Phoenix Nation, up next.